Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church on this beautiful day. We're glad you're all here. Old friends and new, if you would please, uh, sometime in the service, pick up the pew pad and sign your name and pass it to your neighbor so you can greet each other by name and know that you are here today. Also, if you'd like to talk to a Stephen minister confidentially, confidentially, uh, there's a Stephen minister on duty today and will be in the uh, narthex wearing a special name tag. Please take a look at the bulletin for details of upcoming events and additional announcements. However, we do have a few specific announcements uh, this morning. So first, I'd like to call up Diane Brown, please. Good morning, everyone. This is the last Sunday to order your pies for Thanksgiving. And uh, we need about 45 more pies to meet what we've done other years. So I hope everybody's thinking hungry and thinking Thanksgiving and want to order some today. Uh, The pickup for the pies will be between 12 and noon. I mean, between noon and 4. Between noon and four on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. That's a week from this coming Tuesday. If for some reason you cannot pick up your pies at that time, we can make other arrangements. We can put them in the refrigerator uh, overnight or whatever, and then, uh, or we can put them in the freezer until you get back from your travels. They do freeze very well. We also are selling pies for uh, Calvary St. Andrews. This would be a donation by you of $16, and that would appear on your statement as a a contribution for your tax purposes. We also have pies that can be delivered on December 10th or December 17th for Christmas. Those are, are business or corporate pies, and the orders have to be a minimum of 25. So if you have a company or a business and you could... Uh, take care of your employees or whatever, and you would need 25 pies or more to do that, that's $400 would be uh, the cover for the pies. Um, We also, uh, we need 13 more pies uh, for Calvary St. Andrews. They can use 30 pies for their Christmas baskets. These are going to be delivered as a corporate uh, distribution to them. So please see me in the fellowship hall after church and order your pies. Thank you. Debbie Matricia. Yes, I wore my Christmas ugly sweater for you today. All are welcome to join us at the Advent Preparation Brunch next Sunday, November 22nd, after the second service. This is sponsored by Christian Education Committee with the delicious cooking done by Anthony Circle. There'll be supplies to freshen up your Advent wreaths that you made last year. and We have some great family crafts planned. We're going to make some cards, too, for, um, for the people that can't get out at the holiday season. Um, You Families with children will receive an Advent calendar, and if you don't have children and you still want one of those great calendars, please see Craig Kunkel or contact him before this Wednesday, November 18th. Christmas is coming. Thank you, Claudia. I mean, uh, Debbie, I'm sorry. Next is Claudia Williams. Thanks. 
Good morning. For our Garden uh, Club members, I hope you've signed up for this Wednesday at the Y at 7.30 for the holiday preparation. Um, And we are also going to go in the next couple of weeks to go see Oki, who is in Honeyoy Falls. Her gallery is closing, and we can go as a group. Uh, Look for a notice, an email that you get. Thanks. And lastly, we'd like to have uh, Rob Rhodes come forward for uh, a minute on stewardship. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to take a, a brief moment to provide an update on our 2016 stewardship campaign. Uh, as of Tuesday, uh, November 10th, we'd received 182 commitment cards, totaling $458,000. Of these, 13 were new this year, and nearly 40% of those who pledged in prior years were able to increase their 2016 pledge over 2015. By comparison, we received a total of $625,000 in commitments for the entire 2015 stewardship campaign. Every pledge, really every pledge, regardless of size, is critical as we look to finalize our plans and commitments for 2016. If you are able, we ask that you complete your commitment cards by the end of November and either place the card in the offering plate or in the church office or go online through our website. Your generosity is greatly appreciated as we strive to serve Christ through our mission and ministry. Help us to be a blessing to others just as we have been pledged. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. We encourage everybody after the service to join us in Fellowship Hall for refreshments and and good conversation. And with that, we'll uh, turn it over to our bell choir for a prelude.
We do give thanks for joyful ringing and bringing your souls to the performance and sharing of God today. Friends, please join me in the responsive call to worship that you find printed in your bulletin. God alone is our hope and salvation. For not by finding and following the right rules or rituals are we made right with God. But it is by God's mercy made known in Christ Jesus that our estrangement with God has been healed. Let us offer praise and thanksgiving. Let us worship God. Please join me in the prayer of the day, friends. Holy One, we who may be called Christian by religion are only made Christian by Christ. It is our identification with Jesus, our opening ourselves to being transformed in our inner being by the living Christ, that we are given that name as your gift. Help us to cease self-efforts and welcome your Holy Spirit upon us that we may give evidence in worship, daily living, and witness to the work done for us by Jesus Christ. What is faith in Jesus Christ? What is repentance unto life? Therefore, let us pray. God of all wisdom, 
we confess the folly and frenzy of our human pretension and striving. We confess the ego evidence of our insistence, self-sufficiency, and believing that we find a formula of not by creeds that we are comforted in sorrow, nor by doctrines that we are strengthened in temptation. It is not by acts of penance that absolves from our guilt, sin, or religious rituals that make us a loving and forgiving people in our relationships. Forgive us, save and help us. Amen. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Our sin is forgiven. Thanks be to God. may be seated. People last week at 8.30 had a chance to meet Tyler. I want you to have an opportunity to meet him. Uh, they'll be commonly on Sunday. They may not see you here because you may be upstairs with some of our senior highs or junior highs. Uh, Tyler is all the way from Tennessee and he is going to be doing youth ministry with our youth. And we thought it would be important to commission you And so I have some questions for you. Are you willing to be commissioned as a director of youth ministry in this parish? Are you? I am. Do you welcome this responsibility because you were determined to follow the Lord Jesus, to love neighbors, and to work for the reconciling of the world? Do you? Will you serve this people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, relying on God's mercy and rejoicing in his promises through Jesus Christ our Lord, will you? I will. Let us all pray. God of grace, who has called us to a common ministry as ambassadors of Christ, trusting us with the message of reconciliation, give courage and discipline to follow where your servants rightly lead. So we ask that you would give a special grace to Tyler, that Tyler Logan might be your humble disciple, and that together we might declare your wonderful deeds and show your love to the world. We pray it through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Amen. Tyler, that wasn't so difficult. We installed dishwashers with much more difficulty than we installed people who work with our youth. 
And um, I thought that as a first act of what happens with you, we should have you read the Old Testament lesson today. So if you would do that, that'd be wonderful. <clears throat> a reading from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 1, verses 4 through 20. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept, and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant. But will give to your servant a male child. Then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And with that auspicious word, I'd like to invite the four families who have said that they are going to be new members in our congregation to come forward and stand on our chancel steps. I want you all to meet these wonderful families, three of whom will look familiar to you because they were wearing white and ringing bells with wonderful Dr. Mary Carlson. Isn't this fortuitous? Do Come on up on the stairs. Be comfortable. They can't all see you if you're standing down here. I want them to see this glorious set of families. So as I mentioned already, the Sea Cats, the Hills, and the Crimbles were all ringing bells. But I want you to know that Marshall and Sandy Shear also have a special affiliation with this sanctuary because Marshall and Sandy were married right here in July of this year. Congratulations to you both. Very excited for you that you could find love again so beautifully and so fulfilling. Now, how many of you already recognize Sandy as she has sheared your hair, right? And Marshall, we're delighted that you have found this lovely lady and that you have joined our church together. Welcome. 
Tracy and J.W. Krimble, it's a delight to have you here. It's a fabulous thing that you would spare your time from your three Highland Terriers to be with us this morning and also to share with us your love of craftiness. There are a number of people who enjoy working on their homes as much as you do in this congregation, so you'll want to connect with them. Hint, hint, Miss Kristen Thon. So I want you to feel very welcome, Tracy and J.W. It's delightful to have you. Sea cats, my goodness, you travel so far to come to us, and I want to thank you, Anthony, for having followed your wife for her HR job that brought her to Rochester. That's a courageous and fabulous thing. And not only that, but that you would have Tony ring bells with us this morning, and Cassie, we're delighted to have you in Sunday school as well. Welcome amongst us. Absolutely delightful to have you here. Now, I saved Stephen and Caroline Hill for the last because there's a little story behind their having joined us. Other than Stephen coming early and saying, I want to ring bells, we have Jonathan and Erica Trotta. Would you mind standing up with this adorable little Austin Christopher? Do you all recognize this baby that we baptized a little while ago? Austin Christopher was baptized by his grandmother, who is a pastor in the Presbyterian Church, and it is because of their having introduced Stephen and Caroline to this congregation that the Hills joined us. And you might remember that we were trying to welcome stars into our congregation, and so because they did that, and because you joined, we're sending the Trottos for a star-studded night. Don't you think they need a date night with a little baby? <laughs> Indeed. Thank you. So Stephen and Caroline... Caroline, with your expertise with finances at Brighton Securities, and Stephen, this is Dr. Hill. Is that a baby face for a PhD already? (laughs) My goodness. Welcome amongst us. We're just delighted to have all eight of you join us. We have some questions for you, and they're going to sound very familiar to the entire Pete Mathias clan, because they'll be the same questions that we will be asking in baptism. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Do you trust in him, do you? And will you promise to follow Jesus Christ through prayer and example in every possible way? Will you? Excellent. We can pray over this marvelous recognition of God's bringing you to faith into this particular congregation to celebrate that faith. Please pray with me. Please pray with me, friends. God in heaven, we do give you thanks as new stars join this universe. We ask, Lord God, that you would help them to shine as brilliantly as you designed for them to do so that you would give them connections so that they might make constellations in this congregation, and that you would allow them to continue to radiate your love out through your expression of grace into this world. We pray this all with confidence because we pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now, you all are wearing boutonnieres. We want you to be able to get out first during the last stanza of the last hymn so that you get first crack at the donuts, and then people can greet you because they'll see your white boutonnieres. Welcome amongst us. Welcome. Congratulations. Welcome. Welcome. And while they're heading that way, I'm going to invite children to join me up on these stairs. Yeah, you could just stay right there. Isn't that pretty comfortable? That worked out really well. This is Tyler behind you, by the way. Hi, Rachel. Good morning. Tyler read an interesting Bible story today about Samuel. Actually, it was really about Samuel's mom. Do any of you know what Samuel's mother's name is? 
Yes? Hannah. Hannah. Right. Her mother's name was Hannah. And Hannah went... Where did Hannah go? She went to the temple. Right. And, um, and the priest Eli saw her at the temple. And what did he think was her problem? Oh, he thought she was drinking too much. How is it that he thought that? Because she was moving her lips, but there was no words coming out. Yeah, she was kind of moving her lips, but no words were coming out, so he thought maybe she had been drinking too much of the wrong stuff. Uh, was she, why was she there? Well, she's sad because she, she's unable to have children. Oh, she wasn't able to have any children, but she wanted God to give her one. Wow. That was a big deal. And what did, what did Eli the priest tell her? He told her that God had heard her prayer. God had heard her prayer and gave her, would give her a son. You know what's so wonderful about this story? is every Sunday that I see you, I see that you are an answer to a mother's and father's prayer. Because your mothers and fathers have probably also prayed that God would give them a child, a son or a daughter. And then what happened was she then said that she would make a promise to God, right? Hannah said that she would... You make sure no razor ever touched his head. Did, did your mom make that promise to you? Up until I was 15, yes. Are you, are you a Nazarite in training, Tyler? <laughs> no. No. I remember the first time I shaved, I told everybody that I had been shaving for two years and cut myself both times. Well, she did make this promise. And you know what? Your parents have made a similar promise. They made a promise that they would bring you to church, just like Hannah was going to make a promise to Eli. And that's wonderful. Every time I see you, my heart feels so good because I realize God has answered someone's prayer so wonderfully. Now, God answered another set of parents' prayers, and if you stay right here, we're going to have a baptism, and you can see the baptism up close. Is that okay? Okay. Tyler, if you want to head back up that way a little bit, because we're going to need the space here, we're going to invite this whole Matthias family, and our elder today is Sharon Pete. And she knows the Matthias family very well. <laughs> On behalf of the session, I present Emma Michelle Matthias, daughter of Corey Michael Matthias and Diana Pete Matthias, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe that I have commanded you. 
And lo, I will be with you always. So obeying the words of our Lord Christ, sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he would call to be his own. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to forgive our sins and has joined us together in the family of faith. As you present your daughter for baptism, you announce your faith in Christ and show that you want your daughter to study him, know him, love him, and serve him as a disciple. So we ask that you would show your purpose by answering these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend your daughter to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love, do you? Would the congregation please rise? Do you, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Emma Michelle Matthias to know and follow Jesus Christ and your prayer and ministry to help her to grow in understanding that she may know the Master's love and receive the tender care of the Church? You may be seated. This is very common water. It is for cleansing, even the cleansing of sin, that we all come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To this water has been added a little more, by the way. To this water we've added some today that comes from the River Jordan. It's the same water that we all come to know, but I thought it might be special because it reminds us of the baptism of even Jesus Christ. Would you give me the complete Christian name of your daughter? Emma Michelle Matthias. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> May I hold her? This is Emma Michelle Matthias. I thought you would want to see her up close. You know, at one time you were about this size. Yeah. And there's some people here in the church that would like to see you too, Emma. Here's a man you know. Yeah, and this one too, and others. I thought that perhaps as you saw Emma... The promise that was so easy to say, you would realize is important to this one and to her family. Who gets her? Please pray with me. Ever-living God, in your mercy, you promise not only to be our God, but also to be the God of our children. We thank you for receiving Emma Michelle by baptism. Keep her always in your love. Guide her as she grows in faith. Protect her in all the dangers and temptations of life. And please bring her to to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to be his faithful disciple to her life's end. Gracious God, 
giver of all. We also pray for parents Corey and Diana. Give them wisdom and patience to guide their daughter in the way of Jesus Christ and the faith of the church. Let your peace and joy dwell in their home, that their family life may be instructed by faith, strengthened by prayer, and governed by love. Strengthen them, O Lord, in their own baptism, that they might rejoice as people of God and serve you faithfully as the model Christ's love to their children. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, Carrie's coming with some of these gifts. Grandma gets them temporarily. There is a certificate that reminds us of this day and a candle. Uh, In the first century, there was usually a tallow that was lit uh, at a person's baptism. And then often it was kept. She knows that the blanket's for her. This comes from Presbyterian women, by the way. And then that candle was often relit at that person's funeral as a sign that the light of Christ had burned throughout their life. But I thought, bring it out about a year from now and remind yourselves of the promise of this wonderful day. May God bless you all. Thank you very much. Would you like to go to Sunday school now? Great.
A reading from Hebrews. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, and the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson for today is taken from Mark, a portion known right before the little apocalypse. And as you will hear, there is a citation here of hearing of wars and rumors of wars. In light of what happened this weekend in Paris, I want you to know that this is a text that is lectionary, that was chosen long before we read it this morning. And it shows that God's providence will guide us even through these times. I invite you to hear God's reassuring word to each one of us. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. And Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When Jesus was sitting on Mount Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us. When will this be, and what will be the sign that these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginnings of the birth pangs. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, James and choir. Will Willimon is a great preacher in his own right, but he quoted a memorable sermon by Fred Craddock. Fred was a masterful preacher of our age and a teacher of preachers. Fred was speaking before the disciples of Christ in which he said that many a clergy deal gently with people in the church and cannot have a concept of provoking one another is something that they cannot do well. We preachers are more courageous, really, from our pulpits and seemingly less able to be courageous in a very resistant world beyond the doors of this building. Naomi Wolf was writing in a September issue of Mademoiselle magazine. And yes, when I'm in a doctor's office and there's nothing else left to read, I pick up Mademoiselle. She says that for many people in our secular world, talking about religion or personal spirituality is taboo. And she says that modern career-oriented people can talk about anything, addictions, affairs, neuroses, but spiritual things are out of bounds. In fact, she says, admitting to an interest in God is something that provokes the social embarrassment that used to be caused by a boorish, off-color joke. Wolf believes that many people in society today may secretly long to connect with others about spiritual issues, but are held back by three fears. Here's the first. Talking about God makes you look dumb. Many people associate religion things with being anti-intellectual. This stereotype has existed for quite a while, dating back to the Scopes trials. And Wolf speculates that spiritual conversations can be intimidating to successful people because it calls their education, their career, and their values into question. The second of the fears is talking about God makes you appear intolerant. Because of the many voices in society today that claim to speak for God, they also often condemn people. Interest in spiritual things is all too quickly associated with intolerance. Wolf believes that when spiritual conversations come up, we need to withhold quick judgments and assumptions about where another person is coming from spiritually. And the third fear, she says, is talking about God makes you look, I wish I had another word for the word she uses here, uncool. Many people fear that talking about spiritual things makes them appear unsophisticated. And that fear may be as real for most adults as it was for when they were teens. Atheism, materialism, and a drive for power and professional status are our current acceptable cultural standards. But the qualities that many people are secretly searching are humility, gratitude, reverence, 
and service. All of these are considered to be terminally nerdy by most of our culture. And that keeps people from discussing spiritual things. I mean, we don't want to do something that would be provoking. When we are provoked, we do some horrible things. Listen to this 1995 clipping from a Lexington newspaper. Firefighters rushed to the home of Lisa M. Ash, 24, last November to extinguish fire. They pulled out of her oven a smoldering voodoo doll made from cloth and twigs that she said she was using to cast a spell against her neighbor. Based on advice, she said, she received from a telephone psychic line. Well, last year, if she was doing this, it wouldn't have been a psychic line. It would probably have been a website she consulted. James Moore, author of Some Things Are Too Good to Be True, writes about a segment he saw on television news show 2020. It was called Neighbors at War. It showed next-door neighbors doing battle with each other, fighting, fussing, suing, sometimes even shooting because of a barking dog, a noisy power tool, or a bouncing basketball. Neighbors at war. Can such things really happen? Is there a solution? Of course. Take them to court. We know what it is to be easily provoked, and it usually stimulates an angry response. We feel deep down that both are at fault, the one who is angry, the one who is bouncing the basketball, as well as the one who feels inconsiderate that the ball is being bounced at 3 a.m. If you don't think this is real, just take a look at this past week's DNC. According to our local newspaper... There were four articles about angry neighbors who were being stirred to their anger by the sound of leaf blowers. They are yearning for the quiet, silent days when people raked their lawns. Hardly anyone imagines folks trying to put into practice those lines from Jesus when he is asked about the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But we think this is spiritual stuff. It doesn't have much to do with how we're going to be able to live. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And yet I continue to maintain that if nations want to make their tiptoeing in a free market economy work, then they will need to act on the moral heritage that has been in place and thought through the Christian lifestyle and not rely on a dismantled approach of a strong state or dictatorship, religious or otherwise. People without the approach of the gospel will forever be provoked and people that way will never be free. You've heard them say it. We don't go to church. No, on Sundays we turn on the television. If we want religion, all we have to do is flip on our favorite religious channel. There are plenty from which to choose. And we have Roku and we have Apple TV. We can have all the church we need right there. 
In fact, we feel a lot more religious here in our living room in front of the TV than we ever do at a church. Because there you have to put up with people around you. I mean, you see their point. After all, who doesn't feel more vaguely religious sitting alone in the safe cocoon of their living room watching preachers who may gyrate more than Carrie and I do up here or that um, Josh and Ron do up at the end of the street? We should comfort people, not offend. That is certainly easier when there's no one sitting beside you in the pew. Maybe this is why the author of Hebrews wrote these strange words. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together. It's a very curious word here in the Greek. Paroxysms. It's translated in the Hebrew as provoke. Elsewhere, it's translated as stir up. You will find this word all throughout the scripture. And when it gets to the Old Testament, provoke almost always means revenge. Here's a report from London. Janine Brooks was a dental student when a man ran into her car and drove away. That was 10 years ago. Her damaged car resulted in a considerable financial burden on her student income, but this male motorist neither apologized nor paid for any of the damage he had done. This fall, it was 10 years later, Janine Brooks, the former student, is now officially a British dentist. And guess who came into her office (laughs) needing to have a teeth, at least one tooth pulled? He did not recognize her. She did recognize him. She told him it wouldn't hurt. She lied. This scene is outside a supermarket in the middle of a torrential downpour. Under a canopy where shopping carts could be unloaded, a man sits waiting in his parked car that occupies most of the space under the dry canopy. With his car squarely in the way, he watches with rather calm detachment as a woman seeks to transfer her small child and her groceries from two carts to her car. First, she makes a mad dash around the car to put her child in the vehicle. Then she becomes dripping wet, and she unloads the carts item by item because by this time the rain has soaked through her bags, which were paper. At last, soaked to the skin, she is finished except for one last maneuver. Gathering all of the empty carts left by other shoppers, and this better not be you, I am getting upset and fed up with people who leave their carts all over the parking lot and can't put them in those special places or take them back to the store, but they leave them to roam around the the parking lot and bang into other people's cars, right? Don't that be you. (laughs) She gathered those carts. 
And then she calmly encircled this man's carts, car with all of those carts. No way could he move his car without going into the deluge for a clear path and moving the carts away from his car. Then she drove off, giving this shocked fellow a nice smile and a wave. Some of you are taking notes, aren't you? (laughs) This is retaliation. It gets out of hand. No. We need to learn how to forgive, which is very different when it comes to provoking. Forgiveness is serious business. If anyone has ever done you a serious wrong, you know how serious forgiveness is. You might remember the heartbreaking scene in the movie Forrest Gump. One of the central characters is Jenny. Jenny returns to her old home after her father has died. The old farmhouse is dilapidated, it's abandoned. And there she sort of reflects on the sexual abuse she endured from her dad as a child. She is overcome by rage. She begins throwing rocks at the house. The photography is powerful as it shows her rapidly reaching for rock after rock, then violently flinging them at the house. And Jenny finally falls to the ground with exhaustion. And the scene closes with Forrest Gump saying philosophically, Sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. There are never enough rocks. If someone has abused you, lied about you, cheated on you, if someone you loved has betrayed you, deserted you, destroyed you, if deep in your heart there is a hidden place where there is so much resentment toward another human being that secretly you wish that they were dead, there will never be enough rocks. What do we do here? Hebrews suggests a whole different approach that we should be about the process of loving and provoking one another to love and good works. A few years ago, good many now, I read about Mark Eklund. And my wife Martha knew the story as well. And it changed some of her teaching as she was provoked to do something different in a classroom. Let me tell you about Mark. Because I don't know what kind of hurts you may have brought with you today. But I do know that nursing grudges and harboring resentments and holding on to the wrongs that others have done will only bring you more grief. Christ's death on the cross has released us from the burden of our sinfulness. 
Why don't you let it release you from the burden of your grievances as well? You have been forgiven. Please, for your own sake, forgive others. So, Mark Eklund was killed in Vietnam. Helen was his teacher in school, and she remembered Mark, and she decided to attend the funeral. But long before, something else had happened. She had learned that her kids were not doing well. And they were not doing well in school. They were frustrated with themselves. They were frustrated with each other. So she stopped and asked the students in her class to list the names of the other students in the classroom, leaving a space between each name. Then she told them to write the nicest thing they could say about each of their classmates. That weekend, Helen compiled the lists, and then on Monday, she gave each student his or her list. She began to hear the following around the classroom. I never knew I meant anything to anyone. I didn't know anybody liked me at all. It accomplished its purpose. They were happy with themselves and with one another. And their ability to do math greatly improved. On this day, she went to the funeral. Mark's parents approached Helen, and they said, we want to show you something. They found this on Mark when he was killed in Vietnam. We thought you might recognize it. And opening his billfold, he removed two worn pieces of notebook paper that had been taped and folded and refolded many times. The papers were the ones on which he had listed all the good things each of Mark's classmates had said about him. Thank you so much for doing that, Mark's mother said. As you can see, he treasured it. Mark's classmates from that class started to gather around. They had come to the house. And Chuck smiled sheepishly. He said, I still have my list. It's in the top drawer of my desk at home. John's wife said, John asked me to put his in our wedding album. I have mine too, said Marilyn. It's in my diary. Then Vicky's friend came up with her and she reached into her pocketbook, there into her wallet, and there was her worn, frazzled list. She said, I carry this with me all the time. I think most of us saved our list. This is an exercise we need sorely here at First Presbyterian Church. If I could, I'd pass out papers to each of you and ask you to list the names of everyone present today. You wouldn't be able to do that, I know. 
Then I'd have you write down the nicest thing you could say about each one. And that might be hard because we don't really know each other real well. Then I'd have to spend the next couple of weeks <laughs> compiling the list and then pass them back to you. I mean, that doesn't seem like a practical thing, but it's what we need. Sometimes we feel that people talk among themselves and say awful things about us rather than the nicest things. And, and a church that does that will not do very well in math or in mission or in ministry. It won't do that well in, its, in the church, let alone outside the church. Take 10 seconds. Turn around. Look. Look at each other. Each one here is a person for whom Christ died. He has counted each one to be that valuable. If I could provoke you to do anything, it would be to provoke you to love one another and to good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another. Having been creatively and lovingly provoked to love one another into good deeds, let us dedicate to God our first fruits using this prayer. Our caring and giving provide the transport for your love and power poured into creation through Christ Jesus. Scripture provokes us to love, to meeting together in worship like this, and encouraging one another with our good deeds of love, care, and giving. Please use us, Lord, and use our offerings of our resources and the precious time you give for your saving purposes in this hurting world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
seated, friends. Bruce, we have a number of prayer cards this morning. And a lot of them, are, well, all of them are prayers worthy that God will answer. Um, I'd like to share that, first of all, we're giving thanks for the beautiful flowers in our sanctuary, um, remembering Joanne and Werner Meininger's 60th wedding anniversary. And while they aren't here with us today, it's for good reason. It's because their family is celebrating with them, and they wanted to give thanks to this congregation for the love that's being celebrated here, too. We're also giving thanks for the birth of Little Miss Sarah Avery Dunn. This is Bob and Bonnie Dunn's first grandchild, born to PJ and Katie, and they're absolutely thrilled. Find Bonnie. She'll show you a whole bunch of pictures. (laughs) We're also giving thanks and praise for our new members joining us today. We're absolutely delighted to have you amongst us. And for the baptism and for the fact that four pews are taken up by the Pete's Matthiases. Delighted to have you here amongst us. We're also celebrating that Garrett Wilson and his teammates swept the Allendale Columbia Robotics Competition this weekend. Way to go. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Congratulations. So we're praying for them as they approach regionals in three weeks. And similarly, we pray these things with confidence because we know that God has received Susan Byerly into the kingdom this week. She will be, the calling hours will be held for her Monday and Tuesday at Keenan Memorial Home in Fairport. We're also giving thanks that God is continuing to send doctors and physicians to help Harold McAuliffe. Harold's suffering from diverticulitis and is still at Highland Hospital, and they're working on finding just the right antibiotic cocktail to knock that out and get him home. And we're also praying for Jim Hotelling, who will have surgery on Monday at Strong. They're going to do a catheterization so that they can check out the mitral valve flap that has become detached. And we are also praying with the McKenzie family, for Todd Whiting and his family. We've been praying for Todd for some time. This is Marge McKenzie's nephew-in-law. He's been battling stage 4 liver cancer and has now entered hospice care. We pray with confidence that God will shepherd him in this new transition. Thank you, Carrie. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, it's a strange world in which we live. Today, we can't get the images of what took place in France this week out of our minds. We see how people seem to have little conscience about killing others, pushing their own agendas for power and control. May it not be so with us. We pray for those who need your healing touch, but especially for those who attend them, doctors and medical staffs. We pray for their families. We pray for those who rejoice today of new achievements, new birth, competitions won. And we pray for those who have come now to that house not made by human hands, even Susan. We pray that we will not encumber ourselves with the postures of religion, but we will open ourselves to the blessings and freedoms of the Spirit of Christ. We pray for firm trust that our past is cleansed, our present empowered, and our future ensured by the Christ living within and among us. We pray for those who are anxious and fearful, wondering if they have done well enough in this life and earned their way to heaven. Pray for those who need that assurance that the price has been paid once and for all 
Lord God, bless us that we might be a blessing to others and that we might live the prayer we often and easily make using the words Jesus taught, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. you may provoke one another, but I suggest you provoke one another to love and good deeds, and encourage one another, and meet together. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the love life everlasting. Amen. Thank you.